0: Welcome to The Gang of Four, your irreverent political podcast. This is episode 7. My name is Neil Caldwell. I have with me Stephen. Hi Neil. Kenny. Hi Neil. And James. Hello. Now we're going to go straight into the updates on the Scottish budget, which we left you on tenterhooks with last time. (laughs) So Derek Mackay has been wheeled out uh, today, I believe, or was it yesterday? Yesterday. Yesterday, To And he's found an extra 45 million, (laughs) as Big Derek. He was, I, I, he was lifted by his ankles and it all fell in his pockets. He was, and he's uh, he's going to give extra relief to those who were going to suffer from the business rates hike. So, uh, as renter quote Jackie Bailey uh, decided to call this, she was dizzy. That's
1: her, that her full name. No, 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 that's,
0: that's her full title.
1: <laughs> like disgraced minister <laughs> William Fox. She,
0: well, she's now she's now dizzy by the speed of the U-turn of the SNP, as she puts it. But James, what's your
2: take on this? Well, as I said, I give the budget a chance. And I've given it a chance. I'm, i more intrigued, and I think you've raised that point. First of all, where did the money come from? Now I have some simplicity. efficiency savings, I believe. Yeah, but I thought the efficiency savings <laughs> were for the the green deal, the deal to get the greens on site and find money for local councils. So <clears throat> there's a pot of money that will be wheeled out if you ask for it, is what I see. Yeah. But this can't really go on forever. So well, it's only going to go for a year, apparently. Exactly. So, and it, as well, it doesn't help absolutely everyone. It's focused on, probably quite rightly, Aberdeen and Aberdeen, sure, with the oil problems there. But I think, they, as we mentioned before, they're stuck in this middle place where they're trying to give their councillors fighting material for the elections coming up. They need to give something to fight the Tories with, which is a cut in, or a freeze in business rates, and they need to fight Labour well, I don't know if you need to fight Labour, but (laughs) (laughs) on the, the, I suppose, maintaining the council budgets and offering extra cash there than the original budget. But that that, how you walk that line.
1: Well, they're walking it, though. I mean, this is the kind
0: of policy that's designed to do that and to try and
1: please everyone. But But, but the, the cynical person might say, well, this policy's been reversed under... You know, public scrutiny, or, and reversed basically for a year, which they only revealed upon pressing and to reveal it to reverse it for a year whether true or not cynically, the optics suggest it's very cynically directed straight at what James is saying, that these council elections are coming up. Two things I would say. One, <coughs> um, I thought we'd
0: agreed to ban the word optics from the podcast. Okay, um, secondly, the perception is the perception. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with a U-turn per se. No, oh,
1: yeah, no, that. but a U-turn, which is essentially saying, you know, we're kicking it into the long grass for a year because you've had, you've complained, and we've also got council elections we need to deal with. So, okay, yeah, this actually does us a favor. But isn't it's, that a good thing for an
0: opposition party? To so you've got to give Murdo and his
1: tax yeah healthy democracy. Balls, I'll give you that. Yeah.
0: Right? So they've been <coughs> in quite a good opposition, even though I dislike Murdo Fraser for sure. other reasons. But healthy
1: democracy is not the same as uh, you know having a. An error which could have been see- foreseen, and then suddenly pops up with all that we you know. Businesses in Aberdeen saying this is going to basically put us out of business. Stuff that's that could have been foreseen and addressed without having a U-turn. Possibly, I think one of, one of the things <clears throat> that has been overlooked, which I'm going to bring up,
3: is that the Scottish economy is totally underperforming the UK economy at the moment by quite a significant margin. What's your statistics, Kenny? Uh, <laughs>
1: That's not a reverent political
3: podcast. <laughs> the statistic, I mean, it's 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 growing a lot slower than the UK at the moment. Now, obviously, part of that is down to, to oil and gas. But what are the SNP doing to increase growth? I, I don't. I wouldn't. I can tell you one thing: the SNP are doing to well, increase growth. 45 million pounds of uh, business. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Exactly. I mean, there's what well, pre- we prioritise the NHS more in this country than we do down south. That's one thing. I mean, in the budget and yeah. the the one thing I neglected to mention to my era on the previous podcast was there was more funding for the NHS proportionally than down south without all the faff they had down south. And if you look at the NHS in England, it's
1: in crisis. Well, was, compared was, to Scotland, I was going to say I was going to agree with you there. Actually, it's it's worth noting the, the NHS is with well, us.
3: What has that got to do with? Helping, helping no but I'm just saying we prioritise health and education more no, we than should we should be prioritising economic growth so that you have increased tax revenues well yeah that's but,
0: <laughs> but to prioritize, to prioritize, you prioritise know, I get what you're saying I get what you're saying but do you prioritise that that is it government's job to stimulate growth first or provide services like health and education first
3: well,
1: I don't the budget think necessarily competing the, bu- the budget in an well, ideal we world. Well, the budget in an ideal world, they, you know, the, the sort of um, the the hot topics of the budget has been these dis- disputes over tax, and ultimately it's ended up well. You know, so we had a freeze on income tax, which we're not taking the, the the cut that's going to happen in the UK. We've had this U-turn on business rates tax. I don't know if it's been lost in the, the sort of the mess of all this, but it's difficult to see what. The other side of the coin is, you know, what is the investment and what's the the vision for this tax that they're actually going to accumulate? It's hard. It's been hard to understand. It's,
0: uh, I think, two <clears> or three <throat> things. There is the extra funding for the NHS, which is over and above the original plan.
1: Okay, but that doesn't address Kenny's point, which is a valid but, one of what is, you know, what's growth? What, what's the growth trigger? Yeah, but,
0: but there's not enough. Power, there's no borrowing powers. You can't stimulate. There's not. There's a limit to what um, the Scottish government can do to uh, stimulate. Okay, the, there is borrowing powers. What borrowing powers?
2: Well, that's what the SMP say. They deny, but they can borrow now. Can we? Yeah, I, I've missed this. <laughs> <laughs> but what can we borrow against? If, I'm pretty sure. Let's come back in the next podcast about borrowing powers us take this offline. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: we can borrow against Derek McKay's pockets, which seems to just come up with. <laughs> but, <laughs> spare but
2: parts. On your NHS point, okay, there's difficult de- difficult decisions to be made, but so prescription charges, yeah, things like that. So we've made a choice in this country to give them. There's no charge, yeah, which isn't the case in England and Wales. Correct, yes. Is that uh, no, it
0: was in Wales, I'm not sure if it still is.
2: So is that <clears throat> fair is that is that right to be doing that? Let's approach that. Because uh, that's an extra cost and it saves everyone money, the mm-hmm. whole electorate. But is that a good use of money? free, free bus travel for pensioners, is that a good well, use of money Well it's not even pensioners anymore, it's free bus travel over sixties. There is yeah. a but to give you
0: supporting money? I don't think it is. There is mm-hmm. so with your prescription point, right? Mm-hmm. We're getting into really nitty gritty issues this week. Anyway, with prescriptions specifically, you've got to there's a lot of red tape to decide what prescriptions you would have as exempt from charge and what you wouldn't. Because for instance, if somebody's got a serious condition that requires medication every week and the total cost of that <coughs> medication would be hundreds of pounds, would you want to charge them for it? In your new policy? No. I, I suspect yeah, no. No, I, no I but agree,
1: I, I think but that's the point. Though. Like, the, is the current policy the the most effective? In, in this day and age, when there is the ability to have a more perhaps um, means tested, de- yeah. Well, well, maybe not means tested, but detailed. Like you, there is the ability, and the, you know, the <clears throat> to then actually look at patient by patient. I would suggest to then determine on their on the on the basis of a certain illness or yeah, you can have free prescriptions. It was just a blanket, free prescriptions for a certain group of people. But I that requires guess. costs to actually fund
0: people to come up
1: with the system. I agree, it but it's the them. cost more than the cost of you know, all these free prescriptions that we're giving to these people, all the medication we're giving for free for to people who,
2: a, a large number of which I would suggest could afford it. But on raising this, I'll make two points. One, it would be the classic electoral suicide to abolish it, yeah, mm-hmm. or to tamper with it. Two, but it also goes back to the SNP trying to keep a lot of people happy.
0: Yeah, I would
2: suggest. I mean, I mean it's it it unsustainable. It.
1: Yeah, but it goes back to previous po- podcasts. It depends how you portray it, because you could abolish it under the, you know, with the message that you want to be a mature government. These are the decisions we're making. This is what this is what people are voting for the SNP for these days, because we think that they could be a uh, effective administrator of mm-hmm. Scotland, potentially in future a devolved Scotland or even independent Scotland. You know, this is a tough choice. As people need to, people would appreciate. If you couched it in that type of language, this is the choice we've made where we we want to revert, you know, not necessarily reverse, but refine this policy. I think you would yeah. appreciate that. And same with the bus policy, which is obviously you know the one you brought up. I agree. I,
0: I, I think there's a quite there's a there's something for everyone in this. <laughs> that, is, that is like the SNP's <laughs> slogan. Yeah, like, no, but, for but, on,
3: but for somebody
0: of I <laughs> political persuasion, so like the Labour councillors get to Keep their budgets, the Tories get to say they've been in a of opposition, and the SNP get to be all things to all people. So, you think it's a carve up? A carve up? <laughs> um, no, I just think it's something for everyone. I mean, Willie Rennie's just Willie Rennie. I'll ask a different still question. Willy Rennie, but I'll,
1: ask a, I'll ask a question. Do Do we need the SNP to be the
3: party for all? <laughs> we people? don't need the SNP. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. clears throat> Obviously, the SNP essentially exists for one reason and one reason only, which is to achieve independence. Whereas if if Scotland, if Scotland was already independent, the SNP wouldn't exist, and you'd have probably four or three or four five political Two. parties. So,
1: okay, sorry, refine my question. Would it be? A is that not what e- you're asking? Would it be a mo- well? Okay, but would it be a more effective party than it currently is if it actually said we are a centre-left party? Because at the moment, it's hard to know sometimes. We'll, we'll leave that in the ether. Oh, fair enough, we've cut all that shake then it's
0: like... No, no I, I, it's... <laughs> Now I've got to cut that <laughs> Anyway uh, Worth mentioning in passing Today we've got a new It was announced we're going to have a new Scottish channel On the BBC Exclusively Scottish channel Which the flagship programme will be a Scottish 9 So there's no Scottish 6 no. But there will be a Scottish 9 on this dedicated non gaelic Scottish channel mm. What's the panel's thoughts on this?
1: Feels like a halfway house immediately. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan
3: of these sorts of things because, I mean, if you take BBC Alba, I mean, I can understand the rationale for having that. Um, a dedicated Scottish channel, just, I don't really, I, I, I need to see more about what it's going to include. Um, will I be watching the Scottish 9 o'clock news? The is probably no.
0: Is that the cultural cringe?
1: No, that's, oh. that's no, that's don't just think that so. Uh, evening viewing habits. Yeah. If you want to, uh, so the, the point about cultural cringe is an interesting because it's probably, undoubtedly, it will have some moments of good, good uh, Scottish craven cultural cringe. <laughs> but if you wanted to have a proper Scottish news, just have it at six o'clock or yeah. ten o'clock.
0: Well, that's what I would have preferred yeah.
1: as well. And to be honest, like even if we had a six o'clock news or ten o'clock news, um, it's not going to suddenly turn us all into fucking nationalists overnight. Like it's not
3: it's just I mean there's so much that does annoy me sometimes when watching the 10 o'clock news when you have <coughs> stuff that's a devolved issue for example the crisis in NHS England yeah, exactly. people in Scotland will be sitting there thinking yeah uh, the NHS is in crisis when it's, it's, it's specifically a devolved issue you and, understand the B- for, and
0: the BBC have made a massive thing in that in the last week or two as well like, mm.
3: there's some news that
2: is best read by Jackie Bird and there's some by George Alley kind of that's
1: my point.
0: classic unionist in the <laughs> answer to that
1: um, the, 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 the one point I would make though that is, is interesting is that we have the talent in Scotland in terms of journalism, news readers all that sort of stuff to do our own 6 o'clock news and do a world look out uh, you know, world view 6 o'clock news easily, Jackie Bird is much better than most of the fucking folk in 6 o'clock news anyway <laughs> Okay, low bar
0: <laughs> so we're fans of Jackie <laughs> The final piece of news, well it's not really news, it's more tomorrow's news, which is the Stoke by-election and the Copeland West by-election. I might have got the constituency wrong. Uh, So one constituency in Stoke is where UKIP are the expected challengers to Labour who currently hold the seat. Uh, This is one where Paul Nuttall has uh, just bought a house and never lived in it in the constituency and claimed he's lived there all his life or words to that effect and uh, I don't know much about the other by-election. Anybody else? I think it's a Labour Tory
3: We're too busy with Scottish business, right? Yeah, we're too busy with Scottish (laughs) business, I think uh, the key key is going to be, obviously what usually happens when there's by-elections is there's a um, swing away from the governing party towards the opposition whereas in this case it's two opposition-held seats that are Potentially in danger of one being lost to the government, the government and two being lost to um, right-wing lunatics, the U- the Ukip's. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, the, the, on first
0: reading, the big news you would think would be that Ukip could get their second seat in Parliament and their leader could yeah. get into Parliament. <clears throat> but the, this could be the death of Jeremy Corbyn, couldn't it? I mean, if he loses, fingers
3: crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed.
0: <laughs> We're talking about the political demise of Jeremy Corbyn. Oh, sorry, Corbyn, not the actual death. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. No, I mean I do I, I do think if, if Labour do lose both these seats, surely the pressure on him to either stand down or um you know talk about potentially standing down in the future is, is gonna be huge. It has to be, doesn't it? I
0: think so.
1: Yeah. It does make you wonder what you know, how does Labour talk to these people in these places anymore? They don't apparently really are unable to. Well, that, that that would
3: be because obviously Stoke was a huge Leave voting constituency, mm-hmm. um, and obviously Labour have, but against the wishes of a lot of their backbench MPs and a lot of their frontbench MPs as well, has backed the government with the the Brexit bill. So if they then subsequently go on and lose the Stoke by election, then potentially they've mm-hmm. fucked themselves twice. Yeah, and it it also was a
2: high profile Labour MP that was there. And Hunt, mm. I and mean then also I was reading that it was the lowest turnout of any constituency in the 2015 election. So there's a few factors that will come into play. We remain
3: to be seen. The most surprising oh. thing is <clears> the <throat> UK leader lying. I mean, that's unbelievable. Imagine yeah. that. Yeah.
1: Imagine that was right. Right. There was a saying that uh, no matter what the result, Paul Nuttall will have been the MP for Stoke at some point on the CV. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: that brings an end to fake news. Uh, thank you, Stephen. So we will move to Kenny's quotes.
3: Thanks, Neil. So just to to quickly recap this feature, I'm going to read out three quotes, one of which is true and two of which are made up by myself. And the rest of the gang have to tell me which one is the real one and which one is the fake one. So for this week's quote, I'm going with the Brexiteers' worst Human being in the world, which is the EU Commission President Jean Claude Juncker or Juncker. I don't know how you pronounce it. Former President of Luxembourg. So when he was referring, there's been a lot of stuff in the press about the bill that Britain will be faced with when we, um, if we leave the the EU, still holding out. Um, <laughs> For the benefit of the listeners, Kenny had his fist in the air. <laughs> so what did what did Mister Juncker? Say with regards to, to the size of the bill, did he say one? The British will have to respect the commitments which they um, which they played. I can't read my own writing. The British will have to respect the commitments which they made as part of the agreement. Therefore, the bill will be, to use a vulgar term, very salty. <laughs> did he say two? They need to know that it will not be cut price or zero cost to use a vulgar term, the bill will be very spicy. Or did he say three, the British need to respect the commitments which were entered into. To use a vulgar term, we need to fuck them hard (laughs) and all nights long. (laughs) So... Yeah. <laughs> Kenny's quote is advertised yeah. as a choice of three. Yeah. <laughs> it's only ever
1: a choice of two. It's like the US election. <laughs> it's like the third option is Kenny's Tourette's coming out.
3: Okay, so we're spicy or salty. So did he say salty or spicy? Yeah. So one was salty, two was spicy, and three was mm-hmm. fucking. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we're ruling out three by by consensus.
0: Yeah.
1: I am not not willing to die on the hill for three. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
0: going to guess spicy. Spicy. What number is that? Two.
2: Two.
3: Well, I never agree with you, so I'll go one. I'll go one, is that? The consensus is right this time. (laughs) That's the first one I've got wrong. Yeah, well done. Um, (laughs) So he, he used the term very salty, which apparently is a slang term in French, which translates as being Translates as salty, but essentially means hefty or pricey. Oh, nice. yeah, right. very good, that very good. <laughs> yes, I, I believe him. I'm sure it will be <laughs>
0: right. We're now going to move to last week's new feature, which is continuing. Yeah, which is back to the future, futurist. Back to the futurist with Stephen. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I think um, last week maybe we didn't have a wee introduction to this topic, uh, this section. But basically, this section is me p- picking up on. Perhaps a current news story, or um, opinion piece, or book that we may have read, and trying to delve into what might happen in the future. Um, like Donald Trump's picture of self-portrait at Mar-a-Lago, I consider myself a visionary, <laughs> 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 and here is my future. Do we need to commission a portrait for you? I would say so. Okay, I would say so. Um, we can do it in our spare leisure time. <laughs> we'll just get the will get the listeners. To post. <laughs> <laughs> Poses uh, so basically, last week, so um, the uh, three-time election-winning former Labour leader Tony Blair delved back into the the fray last week uh, with a speech on Brexit, in which he, um, for all intents and said that the British public should revolt against this Brexit um, train and and see if we can halt it somehow. Um, uh, notwithstanding his, you know, perhaps. Uh, circumspect ability to to speak for the British people, uh, and obviously, you know, you could draw, almost draw a line from him to the Brexit vote, which we can get into in a second. Um, he, his arguments were not without merit, and therefore, you know, some people actually thought he he could be the the leader that a sort of anti Brexit or perhaps more rationalist um, centre politics is calling out for. Um, my question to the group was: in this age of you know, far-right populism and, to some extent, socialism or far-left populism, can a centrist or New Labour style politics, which Tony Blair obviously espoused in his early years, actually fit into modern UK politics?
0: Yes. Because uh, it has in Canada, just in Trudeau. Trudeau, it has in Scotland with the SNP, and I think it may well happen in France with Macron, yeah, so we're in a. I think it just depends on having the right leader. Somebody that can tap into people's good side, and not somebody that will. Because it's easier to tap into people's bad side, but people, because it's you can get a reaction, especially when economic times are tough, et cetera, like that. Mm-hmm. But you can tap into people's hope and so on, and. Um, People generally like positive messages. They just need something they can actually believe in, and someone they can actually believe in. So it needs to be a, probably a more exceptional character. I would suggest, like and an early Blair.
1: early years Blair, perhaps. Who Eri- was, early who years Blair. There was someone who tapped into hope and perhaps useful optimism, nineties optimism. But I mean, the big the big question though is, and I agree with what you're saying, Neil. Is
3: but who 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 is that? Who is that person in British politics at the moment?
0: At UK level.
3: At UK level, who can be that, what we are needing, which is someone who can take control, possibly from the Labour Party, of the centre ground, move the party back to where it stood when, when Blair was in charge. Chuck well, Muno? Yeah, Chuck maybe.
2: But that was all a bit strange, and he... He nearly he, stood he, in there. No, he stood for a day, and then yeah.
1: something came up. Mm.
3: He had some... And dodgy thing happen.
0: Press we're going to run something on him. Yeah, yeah. but, but I, I, I mean, I'm going to actually disagree with what I just said because I don't <laughs> think it's just about like as a short term thing. You might well have <clears throat> an inspirational leader that can get people behind you and appeal to hope and all the rest of it. But but uh, one of the last things Barack Obama said was, "We do the liberal or progressive wing or, or the broad centrist position. You do need to have." Good answers to difficult questions around <coughs> jobs, future, the future economy—that's not based around because the populace have easy answers, but they're not going to work. so there, We need to better answers that will Can work, it's and it's people will blame vote people. for them. The, to a, answer sorry.
1: your point, because it's a good point, though, um, at the UK level, I guess the uh, the lesson of Scotland is that there are politicians out there, and there must be would be politicians out there who you know, could be a, a Nicola Sturgeon or Ruth Davidson. Now, not necessarily that we agree with all their politics, but they seem like authentic people and they seem like they actually have a re- reality behind them. And that seems to, you know, convey... Because um, at heart, politics is about a message and you have to have the right message, but there's a romanticism about it too. Or and it, or in the case of some of this populist sort of, yeah, especially in the right wing, a fear about it. So we have to appeal to the sort of romance of people or that people can empathise with you. And that's what I think some of the most effective politicians in Scotland are doing. Perhaps the answer is that there are, there will be people out there on the UK level who could do the same, but perhaps are not involved in current politics. And that, that may actually be the best advantage of anybody, to come in and be authentic, and not dragged down by the last 20 years of for example, yeah. Blair's history. Yeah, but Ultimately,
0: progressives don't have an answer to jobs going overseas. No. Nope. To jobs being lost to automation. Nope. So, <laughs> it's the far left or post-capitalist that are starting to provide some answers that people don't want to read. I don't so, think the
1: far, but then Jeremy Corbyn could be the far left, and I don't think what he's espousing is going to work either. My,
0: but my, my point is, progressives don't have any answers or any easy or good answer. Not doesn't need to be an easy answer, but a good answer to these questions, so people believe the the racism of the far right and the populists. But
1: then Macron in France a, could be good. He looks he looks optimistic. Potentially, I mean, I'm still sceptical. Um, but let's hope he wins
3: over oh well, obviously yeah. I mean it's, it's, it's you know for I mean, there isn't it there is an element of me that thinks they they're, they're probably you know Trump is in power and in, <coughs> in the US he's a what we'd call as a far right or a right-wing populist there is an element that you know give give it two years and I'm pretty sure it has he will have failed and what his, his aim would be brexit is coming up give it. A couple of years of negotiation, and it potentially will have fallen off a cliff and failed as well. So, there needs to be someone. To get, but from what Neil was saying is obviously true as well. Is you know there needs to be answers to the questions of, you know, things that people are what we're we going to do in the future with yeah. automation and yeah, um, and the answer isn't going to be fucking universal basic income, right? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think? Do you think the events of the day dictate what kind of government
0: you're going to have? So, yes, I mean, yes, I think yes. that's the most accurate and so most banal thing you've
1: ever said <laughs> <seen. laughs> But I'm saying that a that I think illustrates <laughs> no, that in a minute. But just <laughs> now, I
3: don't think it needs the theories. So no no, 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 no well, I have saying, a good I have so a good Blair
1: analogy. Are, are
2: we in an era of progressive left of centre centrist politics?
1: Probably the, the economic, economic well I would say the economic circumstances of just now kind of prevent that happening. Because so we're even more in, difficult yeah, than if things well, were going right. Put it that way, Put it this way. It's the economic circumstances they are, which all the things Neil just mentioned, make it much easier for people to incite the fear in people and then to vote for you know, right-wing populism. It depends what you're
3: benchmarking against, though. I suppose. I, so not, if you, if um, you take where we are on the... If you're thinking about it economically... Forget economics for a minute. If you think about the kind of social aspects, you know, we are still as much as, you know, some people obviously be trying to change this, but things like attitudes towards gay marriage and transgender rights and things like that, we are historically very, very
1: liberal. Yeah, socially we the
0: general trend is more progressive. Yeah, right? and more transparency
1: but, of, you know, relationships and things like that as well.
0: But in terms of economic, the economic situation, people talk about the word progressive, but I think you can, you can be progressive without being radical, and you can be Progressive and radical, and the point is, I think there needs to be a bit of economic radicalism to get out of the rut that we've been in for the last well, nine, ten years. Even
1: a bit of economic rationalism, because some of the the things being espoused of, like we're going to re- bring back jobs, you know, we're going to reopen mining. That's not no, that's, that, that's, that's that's neither. That's the popular. That's, populist, not rational. that's mm-hmm. the populist. Yeah, so, easy, so, stupid
0: response. But, exactly. No, my point is, you need a a radical answer that's from the so called progressives that actually answers the same. Problem that provides a sustainable vision for the future, but it's not going to be an easy vision and people won't necessarily want to vote for it. So it's, it's kind of hiding to nothing. Yeah, kind of on well.
1: that point, so this, for Blair's return, I was reminded of um, something that was mentioned in like, even John Harris's article recently and stuff like that, but his, his conference speech in like, 20, 2007 or something like that, and he was talking about the. he. he and, uh, what was quite a visionary uh, thing to say, but he was basically saying that. Um, the modern world was hard, and it was going to be the, those who would be successful. I.e., the population would be successful were those who are adept, adapted, you know, um, changing to the the, the opportunities and um, addressing the, the obstacles of modern the modern economy and the modern workforce. Um, and it was going to have to be like you know, well educated, hard working, uh, slow to anger and slow to complain, and therefore you know, and quick to adapt to basically change, which. In 2007 and now does not really describe the British workforce. So I guess what I'm saying is Blair kind of did see this coming, or him and others saw this coming. He started off in of 1987 as this you know hope and hope candidate. By even 2007, he was pretty cynical about the future and telling people hard truths. And now to your point, you know we're now at the point in 2017 where people are still not really willing to accept hard truths and would rather accept easy answers.
0: And and that's the point that Obama Obama made as well. Obama said that socially, on social issues, we're the best place we've ever been. Of course. most liberal place. But there's some economic realities that progressives don't have grasped yet.
1: Yeah. Well,
2: you're not feeling... Filled with hope, with Cameron's big society. I don't know. <laughs>
1: yeah. Whatever happened to that? That was. Yeah, yeah. I was ditched quick, wasn't it? Can I share you a Tony Blair thing? Well, I've shared, I've shared it before. But to your point about are you? Uh, He's sore a sore criminal. Tortured. <laughs> are you tortured by events? So my theory is Jeb Bush caused Brexit, and I'll tell you why. Why? Jesus. So, <laughs> so Jeb oh, Bush. Okay, here we Jeb Bush. Here we go. Jeb Bush and the Florida um, whatever Justice Department whatever caused George W. Bush to win the Florida election and the US presidential election in the year 2000. Yeah. Because, he, because Al Gore didn't win that election, 9-11 happened, because Al Gore, I would suggest, could have been more uh, candid in preventing that, and also Dick Cheney wouldn't have got in and caused it. <laughs> you can cut that if you want. <laughs> if you have no 9-11, we don't have the Iraq war. Blair doesn't have to tally himself with George W. Bush.
0: So it becomes more radical centre.
1: Well, he doesn't have this, you know, uh, whatever, anchor or, you know, albatross, baggage, around, yeah. albatross around his neck of having to uh, go into the Iraq War because he'd made a promise to George W. Bush. If you have no Iraq War, obviously, you know all the history of everything that's happened with Tony Blair subsequently. And Tony Blair remains a big reason. You can paint a pretty straight line through Iraq War, Tony Blair, expenses scandal, you know, uh, financial uh, financial collapse to Brexit and people's complaints.
0: I don't. I think there's still a bit of a leap
1: from that to Brexit, but we'll come. We'll come back to that. <laughs> day. But I think that was
0: that was very good. Thank you, Stephen. It uh, will now move from the future back to the past with a blast from the past with James. Thanks, Neil.
2: <laughs> so this week for the blast of the past, um, we're delving back to probably politics for the last maybe thirty years and. It's about knowing knowing your people and knowing your constituency. And we're talking about the price of a pint of milk. Okay? So, taking inspiration from when George Bush Sr. was pulled up on it in 92, and Rudy Giuliani recently undercut the price of a pint of milk and bread by a half, we're going to test the gang to see <laughs> whether... <laughs> They are all to the people. So, um, if, and if you've seen the thick of it, there was the Zeitgeist tapes that uh, kept people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we're hoping that the gang have read that. Apparently, Clegg and Cameron used to receive a sheet every week that told them things like what was in the movies, like yeah. Amazing Spider-Man two, and things like that. <laughs> so, with that, I'm going to go round the table. Just want your first, uh, your first guess. Imagine that you're being quizzed by the the CNBC anchor. <laughs> I am uh, desperately looking up my Tesco shopping app. Yes, uh, first thing I'll say is do not do not question the price that was looked up recently or the shop. Um, so let's start with Kenny. Kenny, I want to know from you what is the pint of a price pint of semi skim milk today? Today, um, I would say fifty pence. 45 oh, forty five p. I'll give you that. That wasn't embarrassing, oh. Stephen you go going to Tesco and there's some Stay Fresh white bread. How much are you spending on that? Uh, a loaf? 89p. 60p. Oh, right. These uh, times. Neil. Just first- thinking a full meal. <laughs> <laughs> first class stamp. Elite.
0: First class stamp.
2: One. Yeah. One first class stamp. You go into the newsagent.
0: See, I buy them in bulk and then <laughs> do, do the math. Do you get a discount on that? I don't know, know if that answer team. would be accepted by the um, Wait, hold on. we we'll pretend you're doing maths I'm going
1: get, to get 43 pence
2: 43 pence I'll weave out what is it 64p is it I was going to say it was God, higher than that I was going to I don't know if it was that privatisation really. uh, <laughs> you know
1: <it's> like... <laughs> yeah.
2: and re- remind me how you uh, you put a stamp on an envelope um.
0: Well, what I do yeah. is I take it from my multi-pack and it's got a self-adhesive. Well done.
2: <laughs> that was a trick question there. Since 2004, they, they've been self-adhesive. Well done. <laughs> do not know if you are going to be licking your stamps there. Right, we're going to move on to a different category now. Um, st- Stephen, a uh-huh. standard Netflix package?
1: I don't know. I don't have Netflix. Well, uh, do you, Ed, your, your voters do. Uh, £30 a month. Thirty no, pounds. Sorry, no. Take like that back. Fifteen pound a month. Seven
2: pounds forty nine. Kenny, yeah. Amazon Prime for a year. For what? Amazon Prime for one year. For one year. So you're paying it up front. Uh, I guess what? Fifty quid. Seventy nine pounds. No. We've we'll it off the mark now. Here, and Neil, giving you there's a TV in the room. The TV license cost for one year. Uh,
0: <laughs> Do you pay it? Yes, of course I pay it. Uh,
2: he
1: wants the Scottish name,
0: <laughs> except when I withhold it for political purposes. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: no, it is. It will be one hundred and seventy
2: pounds, one hundred and forty-five pounds and fifty pence. 50, is that
3: yeah. All right? Okay. Last, round, did last you, round. You knew that for, you knew that for a fact. I didn't know and fifty pence,
2: but yeah. I thought it was one forty-five. Mm. So last round, I think we're identifying who's in touch with the the electorate now. So, I, I, none of it, so. so Stephen, this one, this one, a wee bit tricky. So, the average price of a UK cinema ticket. Oh, okay,
1: uh, sixteen pounds for one <laughs> ticket. <laughs> what? I the average price of the UK?
2: Seven pounds, <laughs> not oh. four pounds. Sixteen
1: pounds. <laughs> 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 You, so, I think you only go for the yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um, but you go to the cinema all the time no I don't that. anymore uh, do I not. only go at Christmas to these posters to see uh, the viewings of Star Wars marginal
0: propensity of income <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: um, Kenny a tough one now uh, the price of petrol January 2017 on average across the UK per litre yeah of unleaded let's say one, one two. One one two, one one nine point five. Yeah, undercutting it a bit. And then do you know why
1: I said sixteen right, pound? Do I explain always, yourself. I, I'm always buying two tickets, and I just like, had <laughs> this vision in my head of like I always that's what I pay. But I was like realized, oh yeah, I should have divided that by two. <laughs> fair
2: enough, um, and lastly, we Neil, thousands. Win. How much does your standard lottery ticket cost now?
3: Very expensive, from memory. Uh,
0: so for the lotto. I mean, it was a pound back in my day, but hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Your
3: day? <laughs> well, back when it first came out. Uh, right, right, hold on.
0: Uh, the 60s, I'm going to guess two pounds. Two, two
2: pounds. pounds, bang on. Yes. Yeah, bang yeah, on. That. For that, bang on. I think for that, I think you'll win that round. Excellent. I Thank think we've identified that, Stephen, you're maybe a wee bit Yeah. A wee bit of of touch. Touch. So lastly, on the topic of prices, I'm going to give you each two political parties. Yeah, And I want you to tell me which is the cheapest to join as a standard member for a year. I'm talking their recommended price. And my data is late 2015, so don't judge. Right. So they have a... So the, they, so they they, have a lot of them have a minimum, but they have a recommended right. okay. or okay. a standard. Yeah,
0: and, not, and this is for full standard membership? For one year. Right. No affiliate
2: memberships.
1: No, in no are these amount. questions going to make any difference to you guys? Uh, yeah so um, <laughs> how much do you have to pay if you want a peerage
2: <laughs> <laughs> let's not discuss that for legal reasons so Stephen yeah SMP or Lib Dems what's well, cheaper to join for a year on their standard or recommended membership fee SMP correct would you care to guess how much it costs to be a member of the SMP for a year I don't know you no I would care well up. I hope it matches this Guess? Uh, well, uh, it's
0: £3 a month that.
2: So that's not the standard. you <laughs> 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 your costing. The standard it. recommended SP, according to the source, which was a like Guardian article. On source. Why don't you just go on the P website? Because well, I ran out of time. It was £60 <laughs> a year. £60 a year? So, so Lib well, Dems. Well, I pay less than
0: that. Are you still well, a student? Man's,
2: yeah. <laughs> Are you unemployed?
0: Sorry, Nicola. <laughs> Uh, Lib Let them seventy pounds. This is all rec- they recommend, I suppose, yeah. I pay £36 pounds a year, I'm telling you. It's recommended donations three pounds. Oh just. I've alright. Sorry, Gary, I I'm, get sorry get I'm interrupting you. Yeah, yeah, it's
3: go- been
2: raised for NDRF2 funds. <laughs> right, this one for particularly for Kenny.
1: UKIP or Green Party. Was <laughs> well, cheaper. Yes. I thought, uh, <laughs> I thought you were gonna ask him flight camera. I thought you were gonna ask him flight camera. Well I'm
3: gonna go on the basis that UK voters are more likely to be poor,
2: but <laughs> our Green Party members not more likely to stop <laughs> using money and trading.
3: UK will be cheaper because because poorly
1: educated. Oh, <laughs> <and laughs> okay. But UK uh, members, are more likely to be you know baby boomers with massive fucking properties and stuff like that. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say
2: cheap. Correct, thirty pounds, and for thirty-one pounds you could get your membership of the
1: Greens. So wow, the so you 30, the Green Party's 31 and the S&P 6, how much? This is recommended, it's not
3: this mandatory. This is recommended. Yeah, it's not, okay, it's not it's mandatory. So, so uh, the S&P is mandatory, I don't know. <laughs> lastly. Fucking
2: <laughs> China. <laughs> <laughs> lastly, for Neil, Labour and Conservative, which one is cheaper? Uh, for full
0: membership. Yes. it will <laughs> For it'll, recommended it'll be, full membership. I'm, I'm fairly sure it'll be the Tories because of the recent changes that the Labour brought in.
2: Correct. And do you know the maximum membership
0: fee for the Tory party? Uh,
2: maximum. Well, according to this article? Five or a month. £25 for the year. £25 for the year. Bargain, you might say, if you supported them. And labour is £46.56. and But you did you all get those right? Uh, yeah, we did. And on that...
0: <coughs> yeah, but I disputed... Um, Stephen's it was
2: still cheaper than but we established we were defrauding the
0: SNP so (laughs) yeah on that note (laughs) (laughs) on that scandalous note uh, thank you James Um, that's just about all from episode 7 of the Gang of 4 please find us and follow us on Twitter at Gang of 4 podcast and on Facebook at Gang of 4 podcast Uh, say goodbye Stephen goodbye Neil goodbye James goodbye Goodbye, Kenny. Goodbye. And goodbye to me. Goodbye.